As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome, Strange Recon. I am here to discuss the so-called flying saucer. You're out of your f- mind. It is nothing more than a ob- weather observation balloon. Of course, which we, we both knew differently. Now, I saw that. I don't give a goddamn what anybody else says about it. I saw that on film. Phil clasped and kissed my ass. He wasn't there. I was. When you know all the names in every language of that bird, you know nothing but absolutely nothing about the bird. You're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. I like you. But you're crazy. I will, you know, welcome to Strange Recon. Thank you very much for being here. And uh, I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your night to come. It's a strange time to record. It's midnight for me. Never happens on Strange Recon yet, but thank you. <laughs> No worries, man. I appreciate the flexibility in the schedule. So, Woo. Well, let's just say I downed a coffee at like 1130, so I'm going to be wired for a little while. I'm ready to go. Are you awesome. ready to start this question, this this uh, this interrogation here, sir? It's not really interrogation. Yeah, hit me with it. I got uh, I got my, my lie detector uh, all set up here. So, <laughs> Okay, first things <clears throat> first. Can you just give my audience a little backdrop? I know you've heard this a million times on other shows you've done and things, but on your on yourself and kind of what got you into the topic real quick and then we'll get into more meat and bones of, or the meat of it really yeah sure so this is this is the uh severely abridged cliff notes version of uh, what brought me here today but uh in a rough nutshell i uh i witnessed an event back in 1995 when i was with the air force that uh to this day i simply cannot explain and uh in my process of trying to validate my memory and track down more information on that event, I uh, serendipitously ended up on uh, season two, episode three, <clears throat> excuse me, of uh, the History Channel's uh, Unidentified Inside America's UFO Investigation with, uh, with Lou Elizondo. And that kind of just really propelled me into the world of, uh, of UFOlogy and 
kind of solidified my obsession and finding out what it was that I saw now. God, how many years ago was that? 25, 26 years ago now. Um, and in that process, I, uh, I kind of came to the sudden and well, not even a sudden realization, but a gradual realization that, uh, looking to the U S government is probably not going to get us the answers that we're looking for. Uh, at least it's probably not going to get us the answers that we're looking for when we want them. So I decided to, uh, to start looking for the answers myself. And, uh, I created this vehicle that, uh, incorporates a ton of technology and sensors and cameras and all sorts of gadgets and gizmos that, uh, that I go out and try to scan the skies and collect data and, uh, kind of centering not as much on the visual as I am on the data collection, uh, the stuff that, uh, everybody else seems to kind of miss. And, uh, that led me to get being picked up by, uh, organization called UAPX, which is a UAP expeditions group. And they're a nonprofit scientific research organization that is dedicated to studying this phenomenon. And, uh, myself, my vehicle, uh, we kind of became, uh, part of UAPX and really, really just got thrust to the forefront of all of this. You have such a, in my opinion, uh, I, you know, just from where I can see from what I've known about you for, for a short time, uh, you have a, it's a kick-ass story in my opinion. First off, you're out there doing it. I don't, you know, I, I talk about you often. I don't even know you. I talk about you often on the show all the time and it's because I, I have, Little to no more room inside me for anyone who's who has ideas but is unwilling to go follow those ideas and try to actually solve them. And because it's yeah. been 27 years of hearing just a new theory every week without any way to really, you know, grasp it or grab it or, or you know, do anything with it, you know, or waiting for the next observation. So I've always appreciated that. And I've so told my audience that I expect. You know, you know, we we should be expecting big things from you, whether it be by accident one day or you just stay in the field for a long time and keep advancing. I we just generally appreciate someone going out there and doing it. And well, I I appreciate that, and it's not it's not just me. There's there's every member of UAPX is contributing in in ways that are far past their normal capacities. Everybody mm -hmm. is is doing so much to try to figure out what the hell it is that we're seeing up there. Um, and, you know, we, we've got physicists, engineers, NASA trained astronauts. Uh, the rest of us are, are military veterans, uh, witnesses from the, uh, the Nimitz event, mm -hmm. uh, myself with my, uh, my experience back in 95. And we're all sick and tired of the noise, the postulating, the subjectivity, the, the definitive statements with no proof behind them. And uh, we're trying to change that. Well, thank you. Uh, two things I want to ask you on that. First one is how long would you say it take it took you to build your vehicle? And secondly, can you tell me about the relationship uh, uh, when you uh, first talked to UAPX or some of the guys from the Nimitz uh, incident or, or just in general when they, when they contacted you? Yeah, so the OSIRIS is never finished. It, it it's it's just never finished i mean first off this thing now keep in mind i'm doing this out of my own pocket uh we we don't get paid for anything that we do and and i was building the osiris even before i joined uapx 
this was my family car. This was my daily driver. It's a 1999 Land Rover Discovery II, uh, one of the most capable off-road vehicles that was ever made outside of the electronics, which is ah, yes. factory junk. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's all been stripped and gutted and, and redone. Um, but every time I go out, you know, we, we do an expedition. We go to Catalina. We go to Skinwalker. Uh, wherever we go, we have a series of lessons learned. Um, we realize what equipment worked, what equipment doesn't work, what equipment could work better and what we really wish we could have had that we didn't. Um, and then I spend the next several weeks to months to half a year trying to figure out how to fill that gap analysis and, uh, you know, identify equipment that can, uh, that can take the place of something that failed or find something that, uh, that is a better camera system or a better tracking system. Or maybe I, I realized that the magnetometers that I had didn't have the, uh, the, the good enough resolution to, uh, to pick up more distant objects. It's, it's a never ending, uh, process, uh, simply because this really has never been done before in this capacity. So there's no ISO framework. There's no policy or procedure or best practices for this. We're, we're kind of creating it as we go. Um, as far as the, uh, the early conversations with UAPX, it was interesting because I had, when I very first started building the Osiris, I, uh, I had reached out to UAPX and they blew me off. Uh, I mean, I was a complete and total unknown uh, nobody knew who I was. Here's this crazy, weird Air Force guy that's building this janky old truck with uh, some uh, some sensors in it. And uh, I think uh, Gary and, and Kevin Day at the time were attempting to kind of prune the tree a little bit and, and uh, get a little bit more efficiency behind UAPX. And I was approaching them at the same time saying, you know, hey, here's here's who I am. Here's what I can do. Let's uh, let's hook up. And I never really heard back from them for quite a while. And uh, it was just through a uh, a, a constant series of persistence and then a serendipitous occasion with the, uh, the production company that did uh, tear in the sky. Uh, we've, we finally really kind of united and, and got things, got things rolling together. Cool. Did I hear you say tear in the sky or is it tear in the sky? Which one is it? It is technically tear, tear in the sky, okay. like a, like a, like a, a rip. Right. Um, right. I, I have, always said tear in the sky just because that's how I read it. But, uh, the, the director and producer officially called it a tear in the sky. Okay. Which would make sense for the, uh, the possible anomaly you guys, uh, you, yeah. you capture there. Um, that's, yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, it sounds all, you know, it gives us kind of, I hate the, I almost use it. I almost made myself gag there. I said, hope I almost use hope. I don't want to, <laughs> but yes, it does at least because you know, I, when I think of, when I think of you out in the field with this vehicle, I think of the same thing. Like, like when I first started learning how to sail or something and it was just, you know, the science, the sciences are there that obviously mm. can help you propel a boat forward. But if you've never done it before, you're stumbling in the dark. Every time you go out, you recognize you need something else you didn't have before. Every system needs to be optimized every yeah. time. It's just not great. And, and that's something that's been done for thousands of years. Now you're talking about <laughs> something that's never been done before, at least not to yeah, our knowledge. It, you know, the, the, the crap that I get from people is, is pretty comical because everybody's like, well, how come you didn't field test this better? You, sh you, sh you should have had all the bugs worked out. I'm like, well, let, let me explain this as easy as I can. We're not tracking airplanes. 
we're, we're tracking something that has been predominantly untrackable. So sure, I can get my systems up and running and I can capture every 747 that goes overhead, but I'm trying to eliminate those. I'm trying to not get the 747s okay. and the cargo aircraft and the paragliders and the flock of seagulls. I'm trying to get the stuff that isn't gettable. So there's, there's a very difficult baseline to do that because first off, you have to be able to identify the unidentifiable to create the baseline of standardization to get your equipment to fully operate like that. And it's, mm. it's a catch 22 situation almost all the time. So you're not out there to catch those things, but you can't, I mean, they obviously help develop a better understanding, right? For, for spotting something that doesn't fly with normal characteristics or appear uh, <clears throat> visual spectrum on normal way or has a reduced signature or doesn't have such a reduced signature essentially seeing the planes and birds does it help you spot the oh, more normal stuff sure um capturing the data on the 747s and the paragliders and and uh you know military aircraft and things like that it's absolutely vital to the continuation of the research because building a database a library of known aircraft with known signatures uh temperature indexes uh thermal visuals or thermal signatures right. infrared signatures and then being able to eventually dump all of that into a uh, a machine learning or ai algorithm that does auto filtering uh you know even if your eyes look up and you can't see the wings on something and it looks like a you know, uh, uh, a 300 foot long tic tac just because of the orientation of the aircraft, but you have the uh, the IR signature, you have the thermal signature, you have the EM signature already pre-recorded of similar objects. The AI and the ML can look at that and go, "Oh, that's an airplane." That's pretty cool. Um, and uh, if you, and it, again, I don't I don't want to pry in your private life or your expenses, but. Could you give us a rough estimate of how much you think you've put into, or are you sure you know? Maybe you don't want to tell, maybe, but maybe a ballpark of what you've put into your system so far. Um, if I counted all the mechanical uh, along with all the electrical and electronic, I probably have 10 to 15K in that thing. Oh, you know what? I mean, that's, I actually, I, you should be, a, that's, that's pretty good. I'm, I'm actually surprised because I was expecting you to say upwards of 50, 60 thousand dollars. No, that's awesome though. I mean, that, I mean, obviously that's still a, I mean, who the hell it's 2022 right now. No one really has an extra $15,000 in their pocket studying this thing. unless you're. Yeah. Well, I can name some people that probably do. They should be forking out the money, but um, <laughs> so let me ask some questions. If you could, let's jump back in your life real fast if possible. Cause I'm interested in everyone's military background as well. I'm a, I'm a former army infantry guy myself. Um, I love your story. I mean, obviously, it's uh, it's it's one of the more unique ones. It's very interesting. It's very mysterious, especially your Air Force uh, sighting story. What do you think was under the tarp, or in the box rather? In, in the crate, yeah. <laughs> in the crate, yeah. <clears throat> so, to to quantify the answer, I did not know anything until about three years ago. I had suspicions, um, and I still don't know, but I've been told. Um, when I was on the deployment out in the middle of the Jordanian desert and looking around and just kind of piecing all the, all the open source Intel together that I could from things that I would see and stuff like that. I initially thought that the crate probably contained some sort of nuclear signature that we were using for satellite calibration. 
um, the, the people that I was deployed with, you know, it was Department of Energy, 75th Ranger Battalion, Naval Special Warfare, everybody that was involved in nuclear uh, recovery, broken arrow missions, things like that. Um, but being 23, 24 years old and, and kind of still believing everything that I was told by leadership, um, I was told it was an exercise uh, with live ammo. Uh, so so I didn't I didn't think it was much in the crate, but I figured that it was probably some sort of uh, emissions, uh, radioactive emissions that satellites would use to calibrate when they went out and searched for, uh, you know, see if. Iraq, Iran, North Korea was spinning up their, their nuclear programs. Uh, about 24 years later, uh, when I was digging in for the research on the, uh, on the TV show to get vetted for the show for, uh, with, with Lou, um, I ran across a, an article that uh, was actually not an article. It was testimony by John Deutsch, who is the uh, director of national intelligence. Uh, he had briefed Congress in 1996. Uh, one year after I was in Jordan. And in that briefing, he stated that Jordanian authorities in 1995 had intercepted a shipment of uh, nuclear missile guidance control systems. Putting two and two and two and two together, um, I initially thought, okay, well, it was the guidance control systems that I was, uh, that I was guarding. And then it kind of spurred into well guidance control systems aren't probably radioactive um so it probably wasn't the guidance control systems because this is open source intelligence that is publicly accessible john deutsch probably was telling a half truth to congress knowing that it was going to be seen by the general public and the general public didn't really need to know that most likely we had intercepted a uh, a stolen nuclear weapon from the soviet empire because keep keep in mind that this is 1995 the soviet empire had just collapsed four years before that and all these nation states had just started to spring up uh you know a, a, a russian or soviet general who went to bed one night as a soviet general woke up the next day in a new country uh and with he had no allegiance to it and he had the codes he had the keys he had access to all of the nukes and we know for a fact it i mean it's been reported time and time again that over 600 nuclear devices went missing from the soviet arsenal during the the fall of the empire uh now i think all but maybe one or two have all been but been recovered and it's now my assumption that uh that what was in the crate was one of those recovered nuclear weapons and then uh, the individual will not come forward, but I can say that during the uh, during the vetting process, uh, we tracked down an individual who was attached to a naval special warfare unit that uh, was the receiving end of that crate, and he confirmed verbally only that the contents of the crate was a recovered Soviet era SS twenty four which was the, uh, the nose cone of an ICBM capable of carrying 10 hot nuclear warheads, uh, of which eight were still there. That's pretty incredible. Um, that there's, uh, there's obviously a whole history that we'll probably never know that <clears throat> entire era. I'm sure that, uh, 
is completely related to that, especially since it's on that nuclear level of uh, secrecy, I suppose I just broadly say. Um, so yeah. can you tell us quickly about the the UFO sighting and kind of describe it for us when you were right there at the time or whatever you would call it? Do you call it a UFO sighting or is that what you would? I call it a sighting. Um, I mean, to me, it was a UFO because it was unidentified. It was flying and I feel that it was an object. Um, But to take it it to any further connotation and and say that it was alien or domestic or some sort of other unknown phenomena, I have absolutely no idea. Um, So this this is leaving out a, a lot of 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 background detail but i was i was sent out into the middle of the jordanian desert to guard this crate mm-hmm. and uh as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It, it gets really boring. I just read it to my audience. I, I, I tell them about you all the time. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> Most of them heard it. No worries, no worries. So that's that's good. I'm I'm glad that they have a, a basis of reference there. But it, it gets really, really boring. And there was no supervision. It was just me and this other other uh, uh, Air Force Security Forces officer. And uh, we were out there for for several nights. And uh, we were only out there at night. We'd sleep during the day. And like I said, no supervision. But when you're in the middle of the Middle Eastern desert at night, there are no clouds. There's no humidity. It is a crystal clear night. So you look up and you can see so many stars. And it, I mean, it's absolutely incredibly beautiful. It's to me, it's the only redeeming thing in the entire Middle East is the night sky. Um, everything else sucks. Um, and back then, I was a, I was a chain smoker. I'd, I'd smoke about two and a half packs of cigarettes a day. And uh, I've fed my nicotine habit all the damn time. And of course, you can't smoke on post uh, for for numerous different reasons. But I would I started to walk away from the crate, maybe 150, 200 meters out. And there was a little sand dune that I could kind of crawl up on top of the sand dune and still maintain a visual on the crate and make sure everything was still secure, but have my cigarette in peace. 
And uh, I was doing that for a night or so. And third night I went out there, I was kind of laying on my back, just staring up at the stars. And I remembered that I had a pair of night vision goggles with me. I was like, oh, shit. Take the night vision goggles, put them on. And oh, my God, you can see a, a billion times more stars with night vision than you can with your naked eye. It just absolutely opens up the entire cosmos. Um, you can see satellites. You can see planets. You can see, you know, small clusters of stars that probably would be galaxies if you looked at them through a telescope. Now, there's no magnification with the night vision goggles. It's just literally light amplification. So I'm laying there on my back looking up at the night sky through these night vision goggles. And all of a sudden, just without any warning or anything, this, this, this bright pinpoint of light comes from, well, as I'm lying on my back, it comes from my six o'clock shoots straight up directly over top of me, makes a 90 degree turn off to my nine o'clock. And it goes from visual horizon to visual horizon with that 90 degree turn in the middle uh, in, in under two seconds. Now you only have a 40 degree field of view with that type of night vision goggles. It was the, uh, the ANV PBS seven Bravos is what oh. I was using, which was the best of the best back in 1995 and still pretty damn good today. Um, but they don't feel good sitting on your face for 15 or so hours at a time. <laughs> no, no, okay, they, so. they, they do not. Um, and, and, you know, with, with sand and dirt and middle Eastern sand, you, you get crusty eyelid syndrome when you're looking through them. But, uh, but this thing started just repeating over and over and over again. And it would, it would come from my six o'clock. It would go to my top dead center, make that 90 degree turn and, and shoot off to my nine. Um, and when I say it made a 90 degree turn, it was, it was a perfect 90 degree turn. It had no arc. It had no radius. It had no curve. It did not slow down. It did not appear to change elevation. It was as if somebody had a square and was tracing the corner of a square with a laser pointer, except there was no beam. It was just that dot of light at the end. Um, and, you know, be, being in the air force and especially with my, my job, I was, I was trained on enemy aircraft recognition and, you know, all sorts of observation type of stuff. And this, this did not behave or perform or appear to conform to anything that I was aware of. Um, it also did not appear to conform to anything that I could imagine because you, you can't, you can't change direction without at least a modest arc or, or a, a curvature, uh, especially without changing speeds or, or slowing down or having a depreciation in altitude or something. Um, because if that was, if that was occupied, you'd be splattered up against the inside of the cockpit. You just, you, you can't survive that. Um, especially when you're able to traverse horizon to horizon in under two seconds, it, it was just bizarre. Um, so after probably about, I don't know, seventh or eighth time that I saw this thing repeat that pattern, I pulled off the nods and I, I handed them over to the guy beside me who was also up on the dune smoking a cigarette. And he looks at me and he's like, well, what am I looking for? It's like, just 
just look. He's like, no, tell me, what am I looking for? I was like, just put them on and look up. So he just holds him up to his face and you can see him laying on his back and he's just looking up and about a minute or so goes by and nothing's happening. And you can tell he's kind of getting frustrated. And then all of a sudden his head drops and moves to the left fast enough to pull a muscle. And I was like, yep, he saw it. Um, took the night vision goggles off, handed them back to me, reached into his ammo pocket, pulled out a cigarette, lit it up, walked back to post and he didn't say anything about it. And it was never discussed. And we couldn't really go to leadership and say, hey, you know, when we abandoned our post and walked away to go have a cigarette, we saw something kind of funky because um, that would have been a career ending move. So there was really nothing I could do about it. There was nothing I could say about it. But it uh, it just left a mark in the back of my head um, for about 24 years until uh until one day when I was watching TV and I stumbled across a, uh, an episode of the history channels, uh, TV show. And, uh, I watched it and I saw an episode, it was season one at the time. And I saw an episode where there were some military guys out in the desert that had a sighting. And I was like, Holy shit. You know, this, this brought back all the memories. Mm. And I, uh, I was like, I've, I've, I've got to do something about this. I've got to figure out what it was. So I went, uh, I went to Reddit. And I wrote up a very vague, sterilized uh, account of what had occurred. And I posted it on uh, both a veteran subforum and a UFO subforum, just cross-posted the thread, um, thinking that all the internet detectives of Reddit would be able to help me track down the guy that I was with so I could get a validation on my memory of the experience. Uh, that didn't happen. What did happen is they told me that there was this TV show and on this TV show, there was an email address at the end asking for military people to come forward and tell their story. And it just so happened to be the same TV show that I had watched that got me to make the Reddit post. So I, uh, I basically cut and pasted the, uh, uh, the post that I put on Reddit. I tossed it into an email and fired it off to the email address uh, from that TV show. And maybe about, six weeks go by and absolutely nothing happens. And then I get a phone call from, uh, from a lady by the name of Jessica Phillips, who was the executive producer for the show saying that, uh, she had read my story and Lou Elizondo had read my story and Chris Mellon had read my story and everybody was interested if I'd go on TV and, uh, and talk about it. And I told her, I was like, uh, un under one condition, uh, because I'm not interested in going on TV. I'm not really interested in telling anybody about it, but I want help finding the guy that was with me because I want to validate my story. And uh, History Channel promised me up and down that they had all these researchers and all this information and all this uh, access to people that they could help me find uh, the person that I was with. And uh, I ended up flying out to New York and getting interviewed by, uh, by Lou and telling my story and then basically unceremoniously dismissed from that and nobody ever helped me try to find the guy. So to this day, I still have no idea who he was. That sounds like the about the average uh, unscripted TV maneuver there. I recall many days in working in TV, having it, you know, just like, I can't get anyone to agree to do what we want to do. Oh, tell them we're making a movie. Tell them we're like, and then it just, they just up, you know, literally to the point where you're telling people like, the president has me here. And it's like, you know, it's just, it's almost, it's, it's ridiculous. So I don't, yeah, that sounds just about right. So let's, can you tell me about your experience with Lou? depends on what you want to know. 
there was a lot of experiences with Lou uh, during oh, the beginning. Uh, well, okay. Um, interestingly enough, uh, when I get to New York, they put me up in a hotel. I, I can't remember what the hotel was, um, but uh, but I'm not a giant fan of New York. I, I don't much like New York. <laughs> me uh, pe- people are not supposed to live on top of other people. Um, you know, I, I grew up in rural West Virginia on a horse farm, and I was uh, I was lucky enough to be able to walk off my back porch and take a piss without offending the neighbors. Um, you know, shoot targets in my backyard and and have privacy. And in New York, people are living on top of people on top of people. Uh, it's just not not my thing. But uh, I was in the hotel, and I was hungry. And uh, I walked downstairs to the lobby and found out that the restaurant and the bar was closed for the night and uh, went up to the front desk lady. And she told me about a deli that was uh, that was a couple blocks down the corner. So I turned around to uh, to start walking through the urban jungle to get to that deli and uh, basically literally bumped into Lou, uh, who was also in the hotel for the same reason, because he was going to be doing the interviews. And I just looked at him. I was like, hey, you're going to be interviewing me tomorrow. And he's like, oh, shit, you Jeremy? Like, yep. And uh, we had about an hour and a half, two hour long conversation right there in the lobby of the hotel. And it was weird. I mean, it, it was just straight up weird because he had never met me before. I had never met him before. And here's what I was told was the former director of ATIP telling me all these things that I probably shouldn't have known. And it was just a gushing outpouring of, well, this is happening and this is happening. And, you know, these guys are saying this and I've seen that. And I'm like, why are you telling me this? This is, this is blowing my mind. Um, and I was, I was enthralled with this because here's the, the director of ATIP telling me all these things that I just didn't feel like I should be knowing about. And I was like, this is, this is pretty stinking cool. Um, and I told him my story and he was like, okay, so I, I know what questions to ask you tomorrow and, and all this sort of thing. And then, uh, uh, my stomach started to growl and it reminded me of my mission to go get a, a pastrami. And I, uh, I excused myself and walked a couple blocks to go get a pastrami, get back to my hotel room and, uh, get ready for the next day for the, the TV show interview. Okay. What do you have any thoughts afterwards on why he was uh, a dam that just put the key in and opened up the gates at, at that moment? Yeah, I. I mean it. It took me a while to get there. It, it took me a while to to get to where I am now, but the interview went really, really well. Um, they ask all the right questions. Uh, they seem to be very professional. The camera crew, the producers, everybody was uh, was just on point. And, you know, it was the first time I'd ever been on television. Um, first time I'd ever talked publicly about that sighting. And it it was supposed to feel weird. And it didn't. It, it didn't feel weird. It felt very natural talking to these guys. Um, and uh, And I went home after that and uh you know with with the history channel kind of not really reneging on helping me find the guy that they were supposed to help me find but uh but just not doing it um that and and then kind of getting into looking at the old stories and looking at blue book and because i was never the ufo guy 
-hmm. before this. I, I had a, a sighting and then I didn't really think about it much. Uh, over the next 24 years then all of a sudden i'm on tv talking about it and i was like well you know I, I should probably learn a little bit about current events um so i started just kind of digging into it and you know found some of the personalities that were out there and just uh just watched everybody's frustration with the fact that we don't have any answers to anything um and then you know learned about the condon report and learned about uh, how the government is just saying one thing and then retracting it and saying another thing and then classifying everything. And I was like, you know, we're, we're, we're never going to get anywhere. We're never going to find any answers. And, uh, because I had appeared on that TV show, uh, there was a, a couple people that were reaching out to me to do podcasts. And I was like, what the hell's a podcast. Um, <laughs> I mean, all, all I did was work at, at that point in time. So, didn't have much of a life, but there was a, a guy by the name of Andrew Hall. And I think it was either the first or second podcast I'd ever done. And, uh, he had asked me a question about what I thought UFOlogy needed. And I'm, I'm a very fact-based analytical type of person without much of a filter. And I told him that I think people needed to pull their heads out of their butts and standardize their equipment and develop a framework for measurement because everything else is just subjective and it pollutes pollutes things so you never know who's using what camera or what you know do they even know what venus is compared to mars and compared to an airplane and you know we we needed to baseline everything and, and andrew said well have you heard of skyhub no i have no idea what skyhub is and he started telling me about it. And I've got two monitors here at my workstation. And I started Googling what Skyhub was. And I, I started ordering parts for it while I was still on the podcast. Because I was like, damn it, I'm going to build one of these <laughs> things. This is pretty awesome. So I, I ended up getting all the pieces and parts and started assembling it here on my desk. And came to the realization that I live in Las Vegas. This is the brightest city in the world. Skyhub isn't going to work worth a damn in Las Vegas. I need to get this thing out into the middle of the desert where there's no lights. And I was like, well, that's going to take power supplies and batteries and solar panels, and it's going to get vandalized. I was like, it needs to be mobile. I'm going to put this thing on my car. So uh, I may or may not have asked my wife permission, but I just started drilling holes in my roof and running Ethernet cable and and making this thing run on the power inverters and, and the very first iteration of the osiris vehicle was simply just a sky hub uh mounted in the back end with the camera on the roof um and uh that got noticed and uh people started seeing that thing and and then uh i ended up getting hooked up with uh with sean cahill uh who was also uh, one of the nimitz uh witnesses um, and Sean apparently was really good friends with Lou. So Sean was telling Lou everything that I was doing with the Osiris. And then, uh, some time goes by. I don't know if it was weeks or months or half a year or something. And I get a call from, uh, from a guy that, uh, has had, a, had a YouTube channel. Uh, guy's name is Jake Mann. And, uh, Jake had a, uh, God, I can't remember the name of his YouTube channel. 
sorry, Jake, if you're listening, I spaced on the name of your channel, but, uh, but Jake got a hold of me and said, Hey man, I, I want to make a movie about what you're doing. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, whatever. I'm, I'm not really that interesting. I'm just a guy with an ugly ass truck and, and some wires hanging out of the back of it. He's like, no, I'm, I'm a producer and, and, you know, we, I'd really like to document what you're doing with this vehicle and how you're trying to go out and collect data with it. I'm like, okay. And I swear maybe two days after that, I get a call from some other guys. Uh, now their podcast was called, I believe in humans. And it was uh, Dustin Hoyer and, and Jake Tandy and uh, or Ju- Dustin Hoyer and Justin Tandy. And uh, they're directors and cinematographers and they had all the camera equipment and they're like, Hey man, I want to make a movie. I'm like, okay. I just talked to a producer the other day. Let me put you guys in contact with each other. And then I'm telling Sean what's happening. And Sean was like, Hey, let me tell you something. I'm working with Lou and we got this big media project that we're going to be putting together. Let's, let's see if we can get Lou involved with this. Okay. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm just like saying yes to everything at this point because I don't know who's who or who's what or, or what motives or anything. And, um, long story short, uh, uh, Jake man and, and Dustin and Justin and Sean and I formed this very loose coalition to make this documentary. Uh, and, and the idea turns into Sean and I driving the Osiris, up to Lou Elizondo's house in Wyoming. Um. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. For some reason, and, uh, and they were going to film everything. And uh, that's exactly what happened. Sean came out here to, to Las Vegas, uh, spent a couple days at my house, and then he and I hopped in the uh, the Osiris and we drove to Wyoming. Uh, camera crew and film crew and everybody met us up there. And uh, we ended up putting together, a, I think it was like a two-minute long, two-minute and 20-second long teaser video that, uh, that Lou was pushing to uh, HBO Max. He was trying to get a, a TV show made of this. And I 
I was starting to get a little bit weirded out about this whole process because I wanted to collect data. Um, they wanted to do a TV show. My reasoning for being involved in the TV show was, well, if there's a production involved in it, there's money involved in it, they can pay for my equipment because this stuff is not cheap. Um, I never got a dime. I, ne I never saw a penny on, on anything, um, primarily because I walked away from the project. Uh, I, I didn't necessarily like, uh, what direction it was going in. Um, one of the biggest contributing factors was that I didn't feel that it was honest. It, it felt like it was sensationalizing things and putting things in front of a TV camera simply for the sake of putting them in front of a TV camera in a way that didn't help the conversation and was being represented as something that it just simply wasn't. Um, and I, I wasn't comfortable with it. And, uh, and I walked away from the project without, without, you know, getting too deep into it. <clears throat> I, you know, it seems since the start of this whole thing, the people I've interacted with, whether it be counterintelligence agents or just people that have met him or worked with Lou or others, it seems like there is a, with some people, there's a process where the, where the sh kind of the shining light that they they first see when they interact is there but then later on they start seeing that there's not a lot of substance to the actual conversation about ufos but i don't know necessarily know but i'm just hearing that anecdotally do you feel like you've kind of you as you kind of described you lost trust to the point where it was best for you to just go your separate ways entirely or was there like at that point hope for the future that maybe you'd be working again with them at the end of five days i, sp I spent well, four, four days at Lou's house, one night in a hotel up in Wyoming. Uh, at the end of that time, when I came home, I didn't want to have anything to do with anything. I, I was done. done. And that was, what year was that? That was 19? Uh, 2020. 2020. Okay. Beginning of 2020. And, and when was your link up with UAPX? Uh, 21? Yeah, it would have been last. Well, uh, no, no. Uh, uh, this is twenty twenty two, right? Yeah. Yeah. So no, it would have been uh, it would have been about a year ago. Oh. So, yeah, I, I mean, I've fortunately heard a couple things like that in the past. But um, so, lessons learned though. What about a person that wants to start looking at looking at UAP or UFOs or things like that the same way you did, but maybe they don't have the capital, they don't have the awesome vehicle. I still think that's a cool the truck, man. It was one of my favorites, by the way. You called it with the electronics, though. I own one back in the army. And I got hit the window button and like the whole thing would almost die out, you know, whatever it was just was you it, turn it, your radio off. The turn signals yeah. come on. And yeah, it's, it was nuts. I don't know what the British were doing. The, 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 the Brits made a mechanically perfect vehicle and then they used Lucas to come in and do the electronics for it. And I think they used a, uh, uh, toothpicks and silly string to, uh, to do the wiring and it, it, it's, it's God awful. Um, but I've, I've done everything that I've, I've relocated the coil packs. I've rewired everything behind the dash. Uh, I've, there's two separate battery systems in this thing now, but, um, 
to answer your question, what do people do that want to get out there and, and start doing this themselves? Um, do it differently. Uh, and I, everybody wants to know what the best camera is, what the best sensors are. Um, we don't know. No, nobody knows because we don't know what UAP are yet. So we don't know if they are visible under UV or IR, or if they have specific thermal signatures, or if they have uh, specific frequencies, everybody has theories, everybody has ideas, and uh, they're all subjective. Nothing's been proven yet. So do something different. Find a piece of equipment that may have come from the 1960s that was used uh, for lightning photography and see if you can capture something for that. Um, you know, go, go out and, and learn how to use a Super 8 movie camera because electronics tend to fail. Uh, you know, use an old box camera maybe and, and try to learn how to develop film uh, so we don't have digital artifacts. Use, use something different um, because you may be the one that finds the way to do this, this that, that the rest of us are missing. Um, I'm, I'm concentrating on the high end. Well, I can't say the high end stuff because that connotates like military tech, but the high end stuff that civilians can get access to. Um, you know, I'm attempting to build a passive radar system. Uh, I've got a volunteer now that's working on a complete off grid ADSB receiver that can, that can track all transponding aircraft uh, and, and keep the orientation of the OSIRIS plotted on the map, uh, relaying everything into a JSON file so we can play it back on any type of topological map uh, uh, and, and, you know, look at data that way. Um, we've got uh, pieces of equipment from MIT that are cosmic radiation detectors. We've got survey meters. We've got EMF uh, meters. We've we got, I got NVRs out the wazoo now. Um, 4k cameras, uh, 8k cameras, thermal imagers. We, we, we're doing that. Um, and we're still clueless. Everybody's still clueless. So do something different. Something different. All right, awesome. uh, what, um, I had a question from a Patreon. Have you ever taken a CE five group out with you on these things and tried to, you know, run them in tandem, if you will, with observation? No. Okay. No, I, I have not. Um, <laughs> I, I'll probably get flamed for this, but I don't care much. Um, I think the CE5 is bunk. I, I, I don't think it's real. Um, I have extended an invitation to a few folks that do CE5 uh, with the understanding that if I go with the Osiris, all the gear will be turned on. All the cameras will be turned on. I will collect data and I will report exactly what happens. And if nothing happens, I will report that absolutely nothing happens. And when they hear that portion of it, I don't get the invite. Um, maybe we could find some people. Who want. But I, 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 I've kind of made it clear on the show for about a year and a half now that I, I've tried C5 longer than everyone who ever talked about C5 and it's never worked once for me <laughs> ever. I've never had any luck. Except for yeah. one time, I, uh, I, uh, my heat, ex my water pump of my boat broke at the very moment I said, see, this shit doesn't work. And then it beep, blew up. 
went off and but that, yeah that I've, I've had so many people tell me so many different things about ce5 there's this one guy I'll, I'll not name him but he was saying that he was out in his backyard meditating one day and he asked and i'm paraphrasing but he asked the universe to wave at him his exact words were he wanted the universe to wave at him and he told me that right then and there a praying mantis walked over on his porch railing and held up one arm and waved at him. And he took that as a sign of a successful CE five attempt. And I'm like, mm, that is, that is a stretch. I did not, I've never heard anything like that before. I don't know. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 I try to tell people all the time. I keep an open heart in mind, but honestly, when some things are ad hoc to the point where like, literally you can, you could say anything and it will be beaten by something they'll come up with on the spot. And I, I don't want to certainly be disparaging, but it is frustrating. Well, I want CE5 to be real. Yeah. I, I want it to be real. If we had the ability to somehow telepathically, consciously, quantumly, what, however you want to quantify it, communicate with an extraterrestrial intelligence, that would be fascinating. But I honestly think that probably... And this this is this is just a hypothetical number. Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people who claim success in CE five are either lying, deluded, or mistaken. I mean, if it if it's anything like the real UFO problem as it is, that means you know upwards of ninety percent of everything is probably going to be misidentified anyway. So I don't think you're wrong. You're nine percent away of what MUFON aggregate you know claims is the uh, is the prosaic answers and whatnot. Uh, yeah. Where do you where do you if, okay you know. I don't personally put much weight into these these congressional hearings, whatever, because the questions being asked are far too broad. The you know the 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 single single use term for the term for UAP is inappropriate for the conversation being had because it's so it, it, it's dipping into a category that can't be talked about publicly, but it's asked as if so naive, like, well, tell us about what you found about UAP. So, I, anyways, I just without ranting too much, I don't really buy any of the horseshit they're selling, but at the same time, um, I. What what do you, what do you have any hopes for what's next when it comes to this hearing about the alleged Lou testimonies possibly and all this other stuff? Hope is a dangerous word. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, it it's a it's a catch twenty two situation because we all can agree on one thing. If UFOlogy can agree on one thing, it's the fact that we will all say we have been lied to for the past 80 years. What those lies are is a vastly different question and answer. But we all pretty much will agree that the fact that the government has lied to us for the past 80 years. In that past 80 years have also been prior congressional hearings on UFOs. Why would these be any different? Why would the answers that we get now be truth when historical precedent tells us that pretty much everything that has ever been told from us to, to us by official sources has been bull? Um, so if the government comes out and they say that we have indications of objects that are not immediately recognizable by current technology, uh, people are going to clamor onto that and say, oh my God, aliens are real. No, the government simply said that our technology is not good enough yet to I properly identify them. But people don't understand that the word identify coming from the government means something vastly different 
than it means to you and I. When you and I say we can't identify it, we are saying that we don't know where it came from. We don't know what it's made of. We don't know if it's alien or domestic. When the U.S. military says they can't identify it, it may be a domestic aircraft, and they know it's a domestic aircraft, but they can't identify the operator or the origin air, airport for it or the call sign. Mm-hmm. That may be their version of unidentified. Because if you can't identify it as a friend or a foe, it remains as an unidentified aircraft uh, or UAS or UAP. Because now we've entered the world of pilotless aircraft. So they're going to say it's a uh, unidentified UAS. And people are going to go, oh my God, it's, it's alien. No, it's literally, they're saying it's a drone that they can't identify because they don't know where it came from. They don't know who it belongs to. They don't know what it's, what it's intent uh, or its operator's intent was. Uh, so it's, it's just dangerous word games that people are uh, taking and, and connotating different terminology to that is incompatible with the way that the U S government talks. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. Especially, I mean, it allows for two conversations to be had at once without anyone ever, without, without the majority of people hearing that conversation ever yeah. realize it's actually happening, which is, is ridiculous because it's a simple thing like context versus content. And that's just something we all should have learned when we were children. But unfortunately, <laughs> some of us have made it into this, into this age in life without really understanding the difference. And they hear a word and they just automatically associate. Um, but there is this element that I constantly hear, I find it to be absolutely ludicrous only because I know people like you are out there actually collecting the data. So when I hear things like there's robust data for like non-terrestrial stuff out there and all these channels pushing these statements from Lou and these other ones about this, uh, this giant, I don't know where that, where they keep that. I'm sure it's on some high side thing allegedly, but do you believe that there is actual evidence that, would suggest that what we're looking at in that evidence is something beyond human tech or what the government is actually covering up and using the term aliens for like a Mad Lib would be their own technology. And yet you are probably at the forefront of discovery, just like they are. It just so happens to be falling on the, you know, they can use it as an excuse. I said that was convoluted and fucked up. Excuse me. Let me say that one more time. Here we go. Ready? Do you, do you think it's possible that, that, that their actual investigations into the phenomenon have led to real revelations as opposed to pretending like what it seems like today? I think it's probable. I think it's possible, but I think it's a spectrum of probability. Um, and I'm still below the 50% mark on pushing it towards the definitive side because I, I haven't seen it. Um, nobody that can prove it has seen it or nobody that's willing to prove it is coming forward with the proof. Uh, I mean, we have a slew of people that are coming forward with definitive statements that have no data to prove that their statements are correct. Um, and, and, you know, the 23 minute video photo of a black triangle coming out of the water, uh, you know, the, the, the most spectacular picture of a UFO ever taken, uh, uh, video of the Russian Phobos mission getting attacked by a UFO. Um, all these are definitive statements from people within the U.S. government, and there is no data to back any of that up. There's no corroboration. There's no nothing. Um, 
so it is possible that we have evidence but it is also possible that that evidence is either fabricated misinterpreted or simply not studied yet i find it if we take the assumption that off-world alien craft are buzzing around our atmosphere or our solar system and or our solar system if if we take that assumption as a fact which we can't yet um then we can assume that with all of the military aircraft that we have all of the sensor technology that we have all of the phased array radar that we have for tracking icbms um we we have giant phased array radar systems in florida at a place called site c6 which was created in the 1950s operational in the 1960s capable of tracking something the size of a softball at over 28,000 miles away from the surface of the earth i think that's marathon florida yeah yeah, I think so. yeah. I I've, I've, I've been i've I, I used to work inside that building um oh, i lived yeah. in man i lived in Bukey harbor for a while on a boat anyway so oh nice right there. Right there. i lived in crestview um <laughs> A little bit nicer than me i think <laughs> <laughs> but uh but knowing that we have all this technology and taking the assumption that off-world alien craft are, are in our atmosphere and in our solar system and knowing how these sensors are built and designed it's unfathomable unfathomable to think that we don't have data that could corroborate the stories so we either have it and we don't know what it is we have it and we don't have the right groups and organizations within the united states government dedicated to studying it or we have it and we do have those groups and they're actively working on it or people just haven't paid enough attention to it yet so i think we do have it but i don't think that the analysis has ever been done sufficiently to come to definitive conclusions nice all right i'll let you get out of here in a second let me ask you one more one or two more questions oh, take take your time i'm 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 good man I'm uh, good. the the my, i think a lot of our fear was that what we were seeing the former atip people uh put out as evidence uh was so flimsy like a number one mylar balloon from david hirsch over there in the uk or Everything from a, a, a colorized cartoon video of the DC flyby claiming that it's a legitimate bet. When you see that as, as part of what they've kind of broken off of the... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. From the, you know, the giant 
monumental mountain of evidence they have and is, is what they're showing the public, it, it begins to really worry you that yeah. if the internet can debunk this this fast, then what they have is either what you just said or it, there's a bunch of snakes in the garden. And they're, in my opinion, I, I, I wish I could be more positive about it and less cynical. But when I when I see or hear something, someone present their credentials, for that's always a big sign for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a lot of security work and I started noticing a lot with people is that whenever they laid their credentials out before they told their resume, before they told me something, I knew what I was in for was some sort of giant something. You know, I don't want to yeah. say what it, I swear on the show. It's a UFO rated R rated morning show. They're full of shit. And they and and I and I don't want to say that, you know, blindly towards everyone that might come out in the future to say that. But when you see it that consistently, it makes you really worried that what evidence lies behind those closed doors that they're showing Congress, they're not letting or someone, you know, if they're they're not letting us see it because they know it's going to be huge in a matter of moments, just like the original mm-hmm. stuff was. Now, that is a real concern for a lot of us. And I, I, I did want to know because what you thought about that, because. You know, you, that you put out that great zipper net vi- uh, video with the black triangle. That's something a lot of people don't quite understand. Of, you know, if this stuff is so impressive, where it lies and what they're claiming. And, and I don't know. I just want to hear your thoughts. Yeah. On that kind of- um, to be honest, I think that Congress is ignorant out of design. Um, we have to keep in mind that Congress, Congress is a group of people that are elected by another group of people. They are literally the folks that used to operate the cigar shop down the street or the shoe store, they, they came from uh, an inner city school and they, they just happened to run a really good campaign and they got elected. They're not going to be given the biggest secrets in the world because they're just like you and me. They just happened to have run a really good campaign that was able to convince people to cast a vote for them as their only qualification for that position. I think and this kind of goes back to your previous question about if we have the data. I think we probably do. I don't think it lies within the hands of the U.S. government. The U.S. government has outsourced so many things. Lockheed, General Dynamics, uh, uh, McDonnell Douglas, Boeing, uh, all these companies, they, they build the tech for the government. They build better tech for themselves now that they can sell to the government in 10 years from now that the government will release in 10 more years to us. Um, they're FOIA exempt. Hmm. We can't go to McDonnell Douglas and say, Hey, what, what is, what is your, your, uh, your satellites picked up? We, we can't do that. We can go to the national geospatial intelligence agency and get them to say, well, we've got it, but it's classified and you can't get it. But we can't go to Bigelow Aerospace. We can't go to Lockheed Skunk Works. Uh, And these are the guys that build the systems that the government uses. And these are the guys that operate the systems that the government uses. And these are the guys that provide the contractors that are in the field that are using the equipment that the government uses. It's very few military people that operate a Raytheon radar system. It's a set of civilian contractors that are hired by the United States government from a contractor to do the job. And those guys are FOIA exempt. So I don't think that Congress has the information because I don't think it's being given to them. That does make quite a lot of sense, especially considering the platforms that needed just to 
operate some of the business they have. I mean, for God's sakes, the 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 amount of observation you need and uh, uh, situational awareness to get something in the air or have, you know, right up there by Seattle, Boeing, just their regular plant, for God's sakes, has their own systems in play. And it and if you you know, I've been looking at the contracts or CUAS stuff for a year for a year now, and it seems that the the number of contracts gone out, some even up upwards of a billion over a billion dollars for a single company to produce counter drone systems out there just by themselves a billion mm -hmm. for their own which is i've seen government contracts i've been on a few and that is i was just trying to say that today, that is an absurd number that's like that's like a shipbuilding number you're going to get a billion dollars <laughs> or something and it's these little companies that are just these little you know grant winners from lockheed and all yeah. these other ones but that mixed with the fact that um you know that that are, we have like admirals out there actually saying that the Chinese have kind of surpassed us in this way. I, I, it really started making me concerned around a certain point around like eight months ago that the story that was being spun to us was like, I, I don't get it why they would go down the road. But my personal opinion, I'd like to know your thoughts about this. If you go back to the early 1800s, you can see that the real story of aviation is not the one we kind of know in the public. It's not the Thanksgiving ver ver version of it. And it almost seems like, and I know this is no revelation of Jeff Kingsbury, but it seems like we have hit that time where at least, I don't know if it'd be in, everyone's fascinated with propulsion and ufology. That's all I talk about, new propulsion, new propulsion. But there are many systems that go in place on an aircraft, especially one that's used for combat. Uh, so is it possible that we've reached a point where we are pushing out our old tech, Biden's order, new B2 spirits, and I'm, only, I'm sure that's just to be sold to nations that we're friends with. But is it possible, do you think, that we've hit that point where we're, we're I hate the term paradigm shift, but we, we possibly are there that the same the same fundamental factors that put the Wright brothers in the air are not going to be what keeps us going in the future. Maybe there is new drones. Maybe there is new quantum communication. Maybe there's new all-time signature reduction down to zero. Maybe that is what the new phase is, and yet they're trying to use this whole alien thing as a mad lib type of thing to get us going. I don't know. What do you, it, it, well, there, no, there's I'm a, keeping it broad there. I'm keeping it very broad. Sorry. No, no, that's, that's fine. And and we know for a fact, um, and people will argue, you know, I could show them a picture of a stick and they'll tell me it's not a stick, but this is a fact. We know for a fact that the United States air force, the United States Navy does capitalize on the idea of the UFOs to cover for black ops projects they do that um we also know that we've we've reached a technological limitation in propulsion you know we're still ballistically pushing hunks of metal through the air with lifting bodies and fighting friction um we're we're we are at a point now where the technology that we are employing is the only advancements that are occurring are on the software side. The processing yeah. speed isn't getting faster. Um, my laptop that you, you, you go to Best Buy or wherever and you buy a 2022 model laptop, your processor is not going to be any faster than the processor that you could have gotten in 2014. It's just that there's more of them, but the processor speed isn't faster. They're no, they're no longer horizontally uh, uh, building the processors uh, left and right. They're stacking them on top of each other, and your machines are actually getting bigger as the processing speed is 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 increasing. We're not Moore's law is dead. 
it, it's been dead for, for quite some time. So we don't have that technological advancement. Um, we have probably about a 20 year uh, advancement on tech that was built by these contracting companies uh, that is being trickled into the military and then fed into the, the civilian system. But in 20 years, we're going to be on parity. We're going to be on parity with the civilian world and the military world. We're going to be on parity between our military and the Chinese government. Um, the difference being between us and the Chinese, we build one bomber for $4 billion that has every single bell and whistle in it. The Chinese build 4 billion bombers for $1 each, and each one of them does a different thing. But they they whoop us in numbers because they are just pushing out absolutely everything that they can crank out. It's a war of attrition through resource management. Um, so we're, we're, we're failing in that respect. Um, there, there is going to come a time where we're going to look up and we're going to see active programs saying, you know, if you see it, if you see something, say something. And it's not because the government is worried about an alien invasion. It's because the government is worried about Chinese and Russian drones. And the more people get excited about, hey, man, I might be Farmer Brown, but I'm going to be the first one to go out and see a UFO and report it. Um, that's exactly what what they want. They want people scanning the skies. They want people reporting uh, foreign state actors that have been living inside the United States that have been developing drones and flying drones and doing recon on, uh, on the DOE and our nuclear power plants and our infrastructure. They want people to report that. But nobody wants to report a drone. They all want to report a UFO. Uh, you you nailed it so well there, and I just you know, just jogged my memory. I've told the story in the show before, but I actually was down there in Buki Harbor while a Chinese uh, college student uh, was uh, arrested right there. He was jumped the fence, was taking pictures, trying to get up close to those to those radar. Uh, I mean, those things are huge. You could see him from you know yeah. miles away, but um, he was. They, I remember that. I remember that it was a big big deal in uh, in Marathon of the day. Um, yeah, no, I think you, I think you nailed it. I think, you know, I think there's all the people, I think maybe even the vault was kind of connected to that in certain ways. And obviously we've seen MUFON data sold away and I'm not sure I 100%, but it seems like maybe it's related to what we're talking about. But, um, yeah, every Admiral that I've ever heard talk about every Marine general of, of right now, and, and, and no one's talking about when they're all just saying, uh, they're not saying if rather they're saying when, when we go to war over Taiwan, when we go to war over Taiwan and this is it. And they, they make specific references to. The Chinese are not the dummy that we made them out to be all these years ago because we've put hundreds of billions into a massive, powerful infrastructure with this colossus-like force, and they figured out that it's better to throw sand in the eyes than it is yeah. to try to fight that. And that's why they literally were making carriers out of island and rock. I know they're producing one right now, but they everyone was laughing at them. But all they were doing was setting up all these electronic warfare sites that instead mm -hmm. of investing in all this other stuff. So, yeah, I, I think they're... A, a big issue and that's that's the thing i worry about is the conversation so lost because i truly believe as an experiencer myself that there is something happening there really there really there is, is. there is there is something out there and yeah. the probability for it to be off-world alien is it's a pretty high probability but the the noise the noise is polluting our our final understanding of what the hell is happening and, and the noise is coming both from the inside and from the outside. It's, 
it's designed for us to to look up and and find and see and report because we've lost our ability for human intelligence. We we've lost control over who's within our borders and who's building hobbyist drones with with good sensor tech on it. And we need Farmer Brown out there reporting that uh, that somebody's flying a drone over a a gas pipeline. We need those reports to maintain our security of our infrastructure because we don't have our own interior technological advantage, but that's doing a disservice to the rest of us who are out there trying to find real answers for the truly unidentifiable things that are in our skies. Yeah, you nailed it. I'll let you go. I'll just say the last thing here is like, like, you know, I, I try to stress to my audience about how ridiculous it is to, to assume that you're gaining focus on something by zoom, you know, by, by scaling your scope way out on your rifle, you cannot gain clarity on something. If instead of, instead of adjusting your mills to the point where you know you're on the target and you put the focus right there you literally are looking the whole entire scope is the target instead let's zoom it way out and try to shoot something when every you know we've named everything uap and it's just it's 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 clouded and really hard for me to believe that 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 the story that they're telling is the same one that you're telling or the same one that say someone that does ce5 is not to mention i don't really think any of the metaphysical stuff is linked but there's so many different conversations going on. I think we need a reset button or something or just kind of break away from without breaking relationships or anything that break away from the idea that let's first call all of this one phenomenon without deciding if there's more than one thing out there. And uh, and let's have, you know, let's separate it from the military conversation, because though it's part of it, it's definitely not the answer entirely. I, we're, we're not going to get what we want from this or any other government. Uh, we're, we're just not. Yeah. Um well, let, let me rephrase. We might get what we want, but if we get what we want, it's not going to be the truth ah, because yeah. we want something that may not be what we're being, what we're actually looking for, if that makes any sense. So, you know, if, if, if you go out and you expect to see a UFO, you're going to see a UFO. Um, and the government is now priming us to go out and see UFOs and, and for a history of 80 some years of lies, uh, there, there's, there's no reason for them to now tell us the truth. So breaking away, uh, I, I think the best thing that people can do is reduce or eliminate completely their reliance on the government to tell them what's happening. Go find out for yourself right. or at a minimum re- shift your, shift your reliance from the government to scientific and academic circles uh uapx for example the galileo project the center for uh, uh sci- the scientific study for uf uh, the, the scu um uh the university in Würzburg, germany uh these these organizations that are actively using the scientific method to study this with the understanding and the promise that the data is going to be released to the public without restriction without classification and without obfuscation and and stop relying on the government to give you information because if you think that they have it that gives them the power to tell you what is true and what is not well that was well said that was well said at the end there thank you very much i appreciate you coming on strange recon um if i could get you back on sometime in the near future that'd be great because i'd like to you know hear what what you're doing with the vehicle i can't imagine driving long distance with it right now uh, uh the longest i've driven is is a two-day drive um and that was that was uh out to wyoming and back but uh as gas prices creep up to the six dollar a gallon mark and this thing gets about eight miles to the gallon <laughs> uh downhill with a tailwind uh, yeah i don't drive it very far right now if if 
if somebody has a situation uh, and they want UAPX to come out and investigate, um, we don't do this for profit, but we also don't do this to go in debt. Uh, so it does it does require somebody to at least cover the expenses. Yeah, I don't blame you for that whatsoever. That's a, a thing people got to wrap around their heads that these things aren't free to do. Even running this stupid little show right here isn't free. So it's like these, these things cost money. But thank you again, sir. I think you're doing great work. Honestly, uh, we look forward to anything you come up with in the future because uh, we, we're hoping that you that you keep walking that path of integrity and, you, and you're hooking us up with a glass door style info on what you're doing. Also, I played your that that uh, little production you did on on the channel a couple times. People absolutely loved it. Your idea about Skinwalker and the you know what possibly might be there. Well done, really well done, and well put together. Thank the you. whole thing was nice. I, everyone enjoyed it. It's because first off, I love anything that is a new perspective on something that people have talked about endlessly because it's mind-numbingly repetitive. But thank you again very much for coming <laughs> on the show. No worries, Jeff. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. Good night, sir. Have it. Take it easy. Enjoy. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.